Can angioplasty improve the quality of life for patients with coronary artery disease? You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to our series, Focus on the Heart, on ReachMD. I am Dr. Matthew Sorrentino, your host, and with me today is Dr. William Weintraub. Dr. Weintraub is the Chair in Cardiology and Professor of Medicine at Christiana Care Health Systems in Newark, Delaware. Dr. Weintraub and his group have been focusing on healthcare economics and cost-effectiveness analysis of a number of major trials. He and his group recently wrote a paper on the COURAGE trial looking at quality of life and cost-effectiveness. Dr. Weintraub, welcome to our program today. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. I thought first we should explain what the COURAGE trial is. COURAGE trial stands for Clinical Outcomes Utilizing Revascularization and Aggressive Drug Evaluation Trial. What was the basic premise of this trial? Well, percutaneous coronary intervention has been around since the 1970s when it was invented by Andreas Grunzig. Since that time, there have been a series of trials that have compared percutaneous coronary intervention to medical therapy. And in the setting of chronic stable coronary disease, as opposed to acute coronary syndromes, we've not noticed a benefit in terms of prevention of events, while there has been previous reports of improvement in quality of life. However, each of those trials has been criticized in one way or another for being inadequate. Older technology, inappropriate patients, lack of adequate appropriate medical therapy in both treatment arms, both treatment arms not being treated the same. And so there was a feeling that a larger, more robust, more carefully designed trial was needed, and that was courage. Well, I think there's a surprise that a lot of people have when they think about this trial. We've had angioplasty now since the late 1970s, and yet what you're saying is trials have not shown that it actually prevents heart attacks or prolongs life to this point? That's correct, in the setting of chronic stable coronary disease. Now, that's different from acute coronary syndromes, different from heart attacks. Patients with heart attacks, whether ST-segment elevation MI or non-ST-segment elevation MI, do benefit from PCI in preventing future events, but it's not been shown previously in the setting of chronic stable coronary disease. However, once again, there has been a feeling that previous trials were really inadequate and that we needed to refocus on this issue. And so we designed the COURAGE trial in the mid-1990s and then finished follow-up of the trial in 2007 and reported our results at that time. Now, I understand in this trial, everybody received what they call optimal medical therapy. So everyone received, I presume, antianginals like beta blockers and statins to lower cholesterol. And then half of the group was randomized to receiving a PCI or not. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So I think it's worth reiterating just what we mean by optimal medical therapy. Here we treated all of the major risk factors. So we treated cholesterol with statins, and we treated blood pressure, and we treated diabetes in patients who had diabetes. Then we worked on getting patients to stop smoking and to increase exercise and to control their diet. And then, of course, we treated angina, and we treated the patients in both arms in exactly the same way and to the same goals. And then we randomized the patients to either receive an initial strategy of PCI or an initial strategy of optimal medical therapy alone. We did this at 50 sites in the United States and Canada. We randomized 2,287 patients. And the general outcome of the trial was? Then we followed the patients for about four and a half years, 
some patients as long as seven years, and we found no difference in heart events, no difference in death or MI or death alone or MI alone or cardiovascular death or stroke or any other kind of heart outcome. We found no difference between the two treatment arms. So this trial really was no different than previous trials in that, again, angioplasty was unable to prevent heart attacks or prolong life compared to very good medical therapy. Yes. That's true. A couple of points. In this trial, we had optimal medical therapy in both arms. It was larger than any of the previous trials, larger by a lot. And we used coronary stenting. So we used more contemporary PCI, even though we did not have drug-eluting stents. We did use more contemporary PCI. We did have more contemporary medical therapy. And we did have aggressive medical therapy in both arms. The other thing is that we really need to be careful that this is a strategy trial rather than about PCI versus medical therapy. This is an initial strategy PCI, and about a third of the patients in medical therapy crossed over to require PCI ultimately. So we really shouldn't think of this trial as showing that PCI is of no benefit, but rather that we can defer PCI, and two-thirds of the time we would not need to do it. Now, one of the aspects that you've looked at more carefully in this trial is quality of life in the two different arms. How do you measure quality of life, and how was that looked at in this trial? So we felt that it was extremely important to look at quality of life because we knew going into the trial that PCI is largely a treatment for angina. And so we decided we'd look at this very carefully. And we used a standard measure of angina that we've now used in many, many trials and has been used in many registries, the Seattle Angina Questionnaire. Now, the Seattle Angina Questionnaire is different from looking at Canadian Cardiovascular Society Angina. Canadian Cardiovascular Society is assessed by healthcare providers and gives a summary scored from one to four. The Seattle Angina Questionnaire, in comparison, is a patient-reported outcome. They're assessing their own angina, and they do it in five domains of angina frequency, um, physical limitation, quality of life, anginal stability, and treatment satisfaction. The ones that really get angina the best, that really get the burden, are physical limitation, anginal frequency, and quality of life. So this is a questionnaire that patients check off when they come to their follow-up visits? Well, at baseline and at follow-up visits. We got it both at baseline and at follow-up. So did you find in this trial that there was a difference in the reporting of angina through the course of the trial? Yes, we did. Now, we looked at this several ways. We looked at the mean scores. Now, each of these domains that I mentioned is scored from 0 to 100. And we found that there was a difference in the mean scores between the patients treated with PCI and the patients treated with optimal medical therapy. With higher mean scores in the PCI group, higher scores mean better outcome. So we did, in fact, find that we had better outcomes in terms of anginal relief in the patients treated with PCI or really we should say in patients in the PCI arm, because these are strategy trials, and patients in the optimal medical therapy arm, some of them did cross over. Now, how long did the benefit last? Depending on the scale, the benefit seemed to last for approximately two years, sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more than two years. Then we looked at this another way as well. We looked at clinically significant improvement, and we looked at the scores and at the scales very carefully for kind of validity called face validity when the scales seem to make sense and use an approach that have been used by others and published in the literature for establishing sort of a criteria for a clinically significant improvement in these scores. And we found similar results looking at clinically significant improvement, that there was more clinically significant improvement in the PCI group than in the optimal medical therapy group. 
and that this clinically significant improvement would also last for, it varies, a year, two years, something like that. The advantage of that approach is that we could also talk about the number that we need to treat to get a clinically significant improvement. So it gives us an additional set of metrics that we can use. If you are just joining us, you are listening to our series Focus on the Heart on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. We're speaking with Dr. William Weintraub, and we are talking about the COURAGE trial and the quality of life studies that have looked at angina in this particular trial. You mentioned that you're able to actually look at the number needed to treat PCI versus optimal medical therapy. What ballpark was that number in? How many patients do we have to do PCI to have a significant reduction in angina? So it's going to vary depending on the scale and depending on the time frame, but it's going to be in the range, somewhere in the range of 12 to 18 patients need to be treated for one patient to have a clinically significant improvement in quality of life in the range of about a year. Now, you mentioned that there were a fair number of crossovers in this particular trial. Could the crossovers have explained some of the results? Or if we look at the patients who never did get a PCI, was there clearly a difference between that group? So it begins to raise problems in analysis when we try and separate out the people who crossed over and the people who didn't, because then we have a non-randomized comparison, sure. of course. But we can say this, that the patients who crossed over, especially patients who crossed over early, were the most symptomatic patients. They had the worst angina, and they had an improvement in their quality of life. One of the things that was very interesting that we noted was there was improvement in quality of life in both arms in the trial, in the patients who had PCI, in the patients who were treated medically, and in the medically treated patients, in the patients who crossed over, there was improvement in quality of life, and the patients who didn't cross over, there was improvement in quality of life. So a lot of our patients improved, either because of the quality of the medical therapy, or we tend to see patients when they're at their worst, and angina is a coronary disease, wax and wane, and their importance over time, and so we tend to see patients when they're at their worst, and in follow-up, a lot of them are better. So I think that's an important point because even the patients who were on medical therapy, as you stated, said that their quality of life was better. I think one of the things we worry about as we push medications on patients, especially higher, higher doses of beta blockers, is that we make them feel worse. But I guess in this analysis, both groups had an improvement in quality of life. Yes, that's correct. Now, this was mainly angina or were there any other metrics that were looked at in this trial to determine quality of life? We actually have a number of other metrics in a cost-effectiveness analysis that we're going to discuss another time. We also looked at utility, which is an overall measure of quality of life. We also had a general measure of quality of life, the RAND36, which has the same information on it as the SF36. And as opposed to the Seattle Angina Questionnaire, which is specifically to look at angina, the RAND36 is a general quality of life instrument allowing us to look more broadly at our patients. The results are really quite interesting because the RAND36 results were quite comparable to the Seattle Angina Questionnaire results. Not, not quite as consistent, which is what you would expect because it's somewhat more general. So the RAND36 is yet another questionnaire-type analysis that all of the patients went through on each of their clinic visits? Yes, that's correct. What type of questions are asked on that type of tool? All right, so there are 36 questions on the tool that ask quite broadly about people's health and functioning. So it gets at social functioning, mental health, physical functioning, pain. So it's very, very broad. And this tool also showed that the PCI randomized group had improvement in the quality based on the RAND36 compared to those who were only on medical therapy? 
Yes, and it did. It did in the areas that you would expect, physical functioning and pain, but not in such things as emotional uh, functioning and mental health. So I guess one of the conclusions we can make from this trial, a conclusion I think a lot of cardiologists have bought into over the years, is that PCI is a very effective treatment or tool, if you will, to reduce chest pain, to reduce angina, but it may not necessarily prolong life or prevent heart attacks. Could you conclude that from your analysis? I think you're overstating that a little bit. I think we can agree on the latter, that as an initial strategy in chronic stable coronary disease, we did not find that PCI resulted in a decrease in cardiovascular events. What we found was that there was an improvement in quality of life that was sustained for some period of time, up to two years or so. It's another story about whether there was really value in the difference in quality of life between the two treatment norms that would allow you to say, well, this is really, as you put it, a very effective treatment. That is a jump that I think that others need to make rather than me making myself. What I can say is there's a difference between the two treatment norms that is significant and for some patients clinically significant. So I guess another thing we can conclude from this trial is we don't lose ground if we don't rush right to angioplasty. It seems from this trial that patients did well when they finally had some symptoms. Angioplasty could be done. Those are the crossovers. But it didn't give them a deficit, if you will. It didn't harm them by waiting until symptoms drove to a crossover. That's very well put, indeed. Has it changed your practice at all, how you look at these type of patients? Yes, I think it has, because I think I feel that while PCI is very useful, and I send many patients for PCI, I really feel far more confident in my decision-making about PCI now than I did heretofore. Because before Courage, and despite these other trials, there were a lot of patients I felt, I just have to send this patient for PCI. I'm not comfortable waiting and watching and seeing what happens. But now I'm far more comfortable with the idea that patients with coronary disease can be treated medically, and if their angina is more severe, then we can send them to PCI at that time. Does this trial apply across all patient groups? For example, does it apply as well to women as to men? Yes. We have not been able to find any group, high risk or low risk, in whom the trial doesn't apply. There is still worry that there's a very high risk group out there that we have not sufficiently well identified who would benefit from earlier PCI, and we're continuing to look into that. And that may actually require further trials in the future. Well, I want to thank Dr. William Weintraub, who is the chair in cardiology at Christiana Care Health Systems in Newark, Delaware. We've been discussing the COURAGE trial and uh, his recent paper, The Effect of PCI on the Quality of Life in Patients with Stable Coronary Disease. I am Dr. Matt Sorrentino. You have been listening to a special series focused on heart health on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at reachmd.com which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts, or call us toll-free with your comments and suggestions at 888-639-6157. That is 888-639-6157. And thank you for listening.